This meeting is being recorded. Right. I think they changed that so you can't secretly record us. <laughs> I know. I, they, they just started doing that. Yeah, it's, and yeah. it, it really throws me off every time. It feels kind of <laughs> ominous. It's like, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. I got it. I got Here it. Here we go. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome to the Praying Christian Women podcast. I am Jamie Hampton, and today I get to be here with Todd and Brooke Tillman, and we get to talk about their book, Every Little Win, How Celebrating Small Victories Can Lead to Big Joy. You might know Todd as being the winner of The Voice 2020. It was 2020, right? Yeah. There's actually two seasons a year, so I always go with season 18. I've, okay. I won season 18. It, there was, you go. it, it was the COVID season. Yeah, COVID season. <laughs> That's right. Well, today we get to talk about their amazing book. And this book just, it chronicles so much of their lives and their marriage and just seasons of, of their family. But the running thread through it is just how God has been at work in big ways and in small ways through it all. And I just, I love this book. Thank you guys for taking time to be here with us to talk about hey, the book. My pleasure. Yes. Yeah, we appreciate you inviting us. Well, we like to ask all of our guests, what is your favorite prayer closet? Where do you like to go to feel close to God? You go. Mm. For me, I'm a super prayer person, but I will, I'll be honest. I'm not a super outdoor person in general, but I do like to pray outside. Like I do like, I don't know, something about, I think with the wildness of my life, going outside has always been kind of a, I could get some quiet, walk off somewhere. And I don't know. I just have always felt close to God. I also do it some in the shower. Um, and in the bathroom. Well, as a mom, the shower and the bathroom are usually, I mean, sometimes there are times when the bathroom isn't sacred, but the shower pretty much always, <laughs> at least there's good. something between me and the kids. Right. Uh, and yeah, so, I, have, I have to sit my conditioner on for a little bit. So I have some time there. Time yeah. And, and driving in the car, if I don't have all the kids is another big place. I'll do it sometimes. Yeah. Mine. Um, and it depends when you say favorite, it kind of depends on what you mean. Like my favorite right now by necessity is in the car because I'm, I'm by myself and I'm rolling up the road, you know, but my favorite by choice is out in the woods on the trails. I, I like to hike the trails and walk through the woods and pray. And my, it's weird. Me and Brooke, we, Brooke, I always say Brooke is, I pray, but Brooke is like a prayer warrior. My prayers are a lot more, I think casual, unless, unless I'm like, you know, sweating drops of blood, but you know, stuff's going on. But, uh, and I like to pray out loud. So yeah, I've bro. gotten, I've gotten called a few times by neighbors since I like to yeah, pray outside too. Think that I'm talking crazy, to myself yeah. or, you know, like, but I, I, I'm, I, I just like, I, I can but pray. We live in the now, yeah. So, so now it's good. Like, I, I, I feel like I get more authority when I pray out loud. I'm with you at Brooke. I, when I was in my, when my kids were little and they, you know, I remember my first was in the car seat and he was, you know, just learning to talk. And I do, I pray in the car and I would start praying out loud. And I just remember one day I hear this voice, mommy, who are you talking to? <laughs> but, you know, yeah, I think God is pleased. Even if, even if people think we're a little crazy, I think God is pleased. Yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. Well, I would say there, we could probably have seven hour, literally seven hour long interviews. I counted on the different great topics that you cover in this book that are just, you know, but we can't do that. So what would you guys say um, is for each of you is the number one takeaway. If, if there's one that you could pick that you would love for someone to get out of every little win when they read it. Hmm, I think for me, you know, um, everybody has a story. 
Like I I want everyone to understand we all have a purpose and a destiny and a story and, you know, and share your story. It may not be in a book, but share it with people, share any opportunity you get, because I, I don't know. I think I love stories. I love to hear why people do what they do, you know, where they come from, what got them to the place that they're in. I love to hear about people's marriages, about how they parent. So for me, um, I just wanted people to hear our story, like the authenticity of the story that I hope we didn't share too much. Um, Just the real deal. You know, this is the story. And, you know, you choose to live a great story. Like it's it's your choices. I want people to know that you can choose even with the, the bad little parts in there or the, or the, or the, you know, um, the things that you can choose to live a great story. Like it's, it's your choice, you know? So for me, I think I just want, I wanted to tell a story that I hope people would relate to. Yeah. I'm, you know, for, I'm actually just glad that people didn't walk away from it, like laughing or criticizing because <laughs> we didn't know, you know, how it was going to go. Uh, but second of all, I mean, really, yeah, I guess if there were, if we had to, I don't guess we have to, but I guess if we sort of had to try to collectively cover all the little things and the little wins that we talk about, one of the most important things for me, once we sort of, saw this was going to be a thing and and especially once we got near the end of the process and we started realizing some people are really interested in it you know and they're really reading it uh it, then it became more important to me that people have um have like an i don't know like an everyman experience through it that like you know we're we, we're living our own sort of personal circumstances and you're living your own personal circumstances, but we all really are kind of walking the same yeah. path. You know, we're all going through these things and I, I kind of really hope people can relate to it in that way and say, you know, this is me too. You know, my, theirs may be different. Like your, your struggles may be different. And but, I hope you know. that, like, I really hope we can bring hope. Like, Oh man. Yeah. You know, we've lived, you know, we're and older, some freedom to people. And, like we all suck y'all. Yeah. <laughs> we're all struggling out here. <laughs> that was a big thing. After he won the voice that I felt like the Lord put on my heart that we were supposed to do is bring hope to people. I feel like to have a lot of hope that season, not even intentionally. Yeah. I think we just, it turned out that way, the way the season went. And so I just hope, and it's where it's at, just hope. But I, I really hope that it can bring some hope to people that we all go through tough things and we've been through a lot. Yeah. So we're really open to share. But there is hope. You know, there there is the little wins. There is the things, you know. So for me, I, I hope that people get a little bit of hope out of it. Well, I know that I did when I read the book, I just, I, I went on to watch the, I think it was your audition for The Voice. And, you know, you say in the book that you didn't really even expect to you, you were just praying and hoping that even maybe one person would turn around yeah. and you got oh, all four of them to turn around and, you know, but then you see you and you're just, you're so enthusiastic and excited. And then there's Brooke and you could easily look at that and say, well, they got a good life, you know, they, yeah, oh, yeah. They, they've got a perfect marriage. <laughs> and what I loved is you give people a glimpse into the struggles so that we can be like, okay, they can have that kind of joy. They can, you know, they, I mean, it's just like the title of your book, every little win. they can, they can see the the blessings and even though there are struggles and there were struggles and the struggles aren't always over, you know, it's, right. it's a process, it's a journey. And it did, it gave, so, it really gave me a lot of hope and, and uh, yeah. just a great perspective, I think for all of us to have. Yeah. I appreciate Thank you telling us that. Yeah. 
Well, Todd, I loved your story about how music was part of your life from a very, very, very young age. So can you just talk a little bit about the role of music in your childhood? Oh, man, you know, music for me has always been I, I don't remember a time. Now, I do remember when I like started singing, but I don't really remember a time when music was not almost like a whole other presence to me, you know? And I realized, you know, music is such a powerful medium that there are people all over the world that can tell you stories. And now that I'm in this world, it's cool. Like I did a show last night and I got to talk with this guy after the show and he was like, he was full on, full on hippie. But, and he's, so he's talking in the hippie lingo about what music is and I, but I was so relating to him because he's so right, you know. And so I, um, I would kind of always, and when I say escape to music, I want to say like now I do like get in the truck and find some. I was just telling, I think I was telling Burke on the way over here. I, I heard a White Lion song when the children cry. I hadn't heard that since the nineties, you know. Yeah. Uh, but like, um, I'll just put like a playlist on. But when I say music was an escape. For me, even as a kid, it wasn't like that. It wasn't I didn't go in my room and because you know we had the cassettes and the LPs, and, but I I don't know that I did that as much as I would just get alone and hum or sing, and I don't know it was like a soothing force or something in my life. And then ever since then, you know, it's just been something that it's a way it's a way for me to let what's in me get out. Yeah, they know? have like old home videos or Todd. And his sister and her, his sister sings too. And like they were eating cereal and like with every, they were like humming, like rocking. Yeah, and everybody, we would rock like, back and forth. And, and, and I was like, oh sing, my gosh. Know? But it almost was like, a, it seemed like a self-soothing. Like, I, I like for it sure was, did it. Was, you know, and, and if he was standing when he was a baby, he was rocking back and forth and humming. Like yeah. it, it was just, so it was so cool to see like even from the get-go when you were like really little. Yeah, it's always just been a real presence in my life. And then it's also, it's also been a, a good, a good way. Let me say that like a challenge for me. I'll, I, it's almost like I'll hear someone like I'll hear, hear like Bill Withers sing it. No sunshine when she's gone. And then, Oh man, then the, someone's done late, like threw down the gambit or whatever, you know, and I gotta, I'm, I gotta figure out how to sing it like that. You know what I mean? Or, mm-hmm. or at least close. And so that's kind of mu- music's just always been like that to me. That's great. And, you know, when you were auditioning for The Voice, a lot of the people that were there with you were professional musicians, like trained and career musicians. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. A lot of them, not all of them, but the majority of them had some experience in the professional music world. And a lot of them had like were actively and still are just active performers they they came in as performers there are people that that you you know there are rules on the show uh so you know you have to follow the rules but there are people on the show that have in times past had record deals you know and and so there's people that are like really really you know fairly seasoned of, professionals oh it's a hundred percent and being the oldest one well i wasn't the oldest i'm the oldest winner close yeah Right. And then, you know, your, your history was basically based on singing in church, right? As yeah, 100, 100%. That's, 
that's it. Like, and even just- when I sang at weddings, I didn't sing the receptions. I didn't ever get invited to sing the receptions. I would just sing in the ceremony, you know? Yeah. So I, it's literally like one pretty much. I mean, there was a talent show now and again, but other than that, it's like a hundred percent church, you know? Wow. Well, we will get back to that. We're going to get back to, to your music, but I want to kind of take a, a little deviation into um, Brooke, when you talk about your dating relationship. So back when you guys, you guys knew each other as teenagers, right? Mm-hmm. And you guys kind of had an on again, off again, couple of breakups for different reasons. And in the book, um, just, you know, looking at the book, obviously through the lens of prayer, because of our podcast, um, there was one breakup that you thought was possibly for good. And, and Todd was, as you say, dating someone that like fit the mold of the perfect pastor's wife. And, um, but you said that you wouldn't give up praying that you would walk the halls praying that God would give Todd back to you and that you could be his wife. And you talk about how your mom would join you in praying too. And then you say, but the thing about prayer is that while we often pray to get God to act, answered prayer usually starts with a change within our own hearts first. And I loved that. Can you talk about that time and that prayer journey and, and your mom's? Yeah, I, I think for me, you know, um, sometimes we pray in a selfish way. I'm a, I'm a total prayer person and we all have our desires. And honestly, it was so funny to me that I, I did. My parents got, you know, my, my dad was like, look, please quit walk in the halls praying like I literally would walk the halls and pray and my mom was kind of a little more on my side she'd help me out she's a prayer person too and and um you know but for me the moment that I actually released and gave back to God and said you know if it's time if that's what you have for me God the moment I decided I want what you have for me God whatever that is and kind of release it to God that is the moment that God started bringing us back together so it was almost like I had to let go of that little bit of that idol like my desire how I want it's like the whole time God was wanting to bless me and give it back to me but um I had to kind of let go it's it, I saw this meme and it's like the cheesiest little meme but it's so true like like it was this like little kid and has like a little bitty teddy bear and God's asking for it but like behind his back is this like huge teddy bear and it's like it really is like that's how we are sometimes and it's so hard and it's like God has the control anyway but we still want to hold on to that control so for me it was and it always is in my life with God letting go of that control and surrender and so the moment that I surrendered then my prayers I think became more sincere to what God wanted it was the moment that God turned the situation around I agree. I've had times like that too, with the very same thing. And, you know, sometimes I surrendered the things and I look back and, and I can think of one in particular where it was a relationship and I surrendered it and, and it didn't come back to me, but it ended up being for the best because it exactly. was not the person I'm married to now. <laughs> and other times it has been given to me and, and it was it, but there's a shift. There really is like yeah. that prayer of surrender or that attitude of surrender. Like there is a shift and it feels like there's a wall between God's power coming through and our will kind of like, you know, holding what we yeah. want with it, with our clenched fists. And, and there's just something that breaks down and, and like a shift that happens when we surrender and yeah. Yeah. Amazing. That happens to me a lot as well. It's, it's, it's an ongoing battle surrendering. Yeah. I kind of just try to just stay surrendered. Sometimes I feel like I'm just floating on top of the water, whichever way it goes. You know? 
Well, and you know, there's something to that, to just being open, you know, to be receptive and open to what God has next. I mean, there's power in that too. Yeah, I'm trying. We just roll, whichever door is open, man, we just run through. We always say with us, like Todd's like, you know, if we come to a mountain, I'm going to speak to the mountain and Todd's going to grab a shovel. That's kind of how I do it. That's kind of how I do it. Like, I'm going to go full throttle speaking. I'm like, well, I'm praying. He's going to start digging. Yeah, like I'm praying (laughs) and I'm telling God I'm hungry. But God's telling me, you know, there's there's (laughs) ingredients in the freezer. You you can make a meal, you know. But I think God (laughs) uses that, like, in relationships, you know, that kind of, like, balance each other out. And so it's been perfect for us. Yes, I mean, sometimes it's aggravating. But at the same time, we really balance each other out. I stretch his faith and he's kind of that grace for me when I get a little too far out there. Yeah, no, I think I, I, I think that also there's this lie out there that we all have to have the same kind of prayer lives, that they all have to look the yes. same. And God made us differently. You know, we're many members and, you know, the foot's not going to pray like the hand or the. Right, yeah. And the that's like a, a big deal to me because like God loves us individually i think when people say god loves us the same people get this idea he loves us all the same but individually and uniquely so the way that god interacts with me in prayer or how we do is different than the way he interacts with god just like we even say when we pray together when we pray together she hers is her style and and approach is so much different than mine i always say okay babe you want me to pray or do you want to pray? We can't both pray. Well, he I'm praying out loud. It distracts him. He starts to listen or agree into what I'm praying. Yeah. And so we just take turns. But yeah, I mean, we sort of like take because I can't. It's the same. It's the same way. I'm too like, ADD or something. Like I can't. Uh, like I'll be like praying and I'll be trying to focus in on what I'm like going to the throne of grace with. And then before I know it, I'm listening to whatever Brooks did. I totally forgot what I was doing. I'm good. Like I could pray in a group of people and like. I with could, everybody talking. Yes, I, I'm good. Like, I'm not good I don't know. That. Like I'm good. But it's so funny too. I mean, I'm good to be in the room. Some of you know? that, like in our kids, I can see that they have different prayers, oh different gosh, way they yeah. go about it. It's just so cool to see because we're so all created so uniquely. And I think God loves that, the diversity. Oh, People yeah, get yeah. hung up on you he have to do it. things the same way and you don't. Yeah. Well, I want to get back to that same time because in the book, Todd, you talk about how during that same time as Brooke was wanting to be back together with you, the thing that split you apart, I guess, was that you were struggling with feeling like you were kind of idolizing Brooke. Like she was, that you had broken up with her because you felt like maybe you loved her more than you loved God. So what did the process look like for you seeking God's will and, you know, wanting to be with her, but not knowing if you should or not, like, how did you, how did you discern in the end that, that, that Brooke was the one that God had for you? Oh man. You know, first really to start in the very beginning, even now, I feel like God takes everything if we if we give it to him, you know, and uses it. I don't know for certain that I made or didn't make the right decision. Um, there's a lot in my background and history in the church and a lot in sort of the mentality of the church uh, that I grew up in in the time uh, that I sort of felt like oh my gosh, I'm spending all this time with her and I'm focusing so much on her, like that can't be right. You know what I mean? And so I've got, and so I, even now, I hate to say that that's yes or no exactly what was going on. Or maybe it was just like, when you can, I don't know how to put it. You know, you, if you're not careful, you can you can get wrangled up in sort of a work-based 
salvation yeah. and relationship with the Lord. And so I think I felt a little bit of that. I think you were like, and, right. It was right when you felt called. Into yeah. Ministry. I was just getting into ministry, really like surrendering to that part of my life. And, and I'm extra and need a lot of attention. Yeah. Even, that's then, true. even now. now. <laughs> um, uh, and drama. And, and so over time, you know, I mean, it, it, it really was, I would say a combination. Again, I'm actually so practical. A lot of people, I, I feel bad sometimes. I feel like people are looking for deeper answers than what I have. Even with like adoptions and things, I'm like, you know, I don't know. It's not the answer. Not as deep. Gotten more practical. Yeah. So, so I think <laughs> I have, impossible. but like, um, ultimately, you know, I did love her and I did want to be with her. And then over time, you know, I did see interest from other men and I was like, well, you know, that's, that's an issue for me, you know, if I do want to be with her. So I kind of just made a decision, you know, that to go for it, you know, uh, that's, that's pretty much the gist of it. And it might've been a little element of like when you first going into ministry and I didn't fit the pastor's wife. Mold. But I didn't ever fit the pastor. Mold. <laughs> I never, you know, that's the thing. I was like, neither one of you us. You fit it a little better than I did. The, now back time. then back I was then. forcing myself. Into yes. Yes. Uh, I think that may have been some of it. Because, that's probably true. You yeah, know, that's probably um, true. Yeah, because I didn't think did of it that way. But that's probably somebody true. that you know yeah. that did fit the mold a lot better, and and you know so. Well, I, yeah, when you're you know I don't know how it is like in your background in faith, you know, like in our background in faith and in the church, it I don't want to say like it's assumed, but it's pretty close that if you're the minister, then either your wife either sings or she plays right. an instrument or you know and uh and, I didn't do any of this yeah bro yeah. Uh, but but Brooke operates in gifts that proved to be really vital to our ministry when we were lead pastors, you know. And so um, God, you know, God knew what he clearly was doing. God knew what he was doing. I mean, it makes perfect sense, but he did. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, I totally get what you're saying. And, you know, it's it's just like that whole prayer thing of, you know, your prayer life doesn't need to look like someone else's. Well, your yeah. ministry and the way that you are as a pastor or a pastor's wife doesn't have to fit a certain mold, you know, okay. if God's calling you to ministry, then he's calling you to ministry and, and okay. you do him a disservice by trying to be something other than who he made you to be. That's right. Yeah, Absolutely. I agree with you. Yeah. yeah. Well, Brooke, you, you know, you guys went through a very difficult time in your marriage that you detail in the book, which I felt like was a very central theme in the book, um, a very powerful theme that you guys were willing to expose that part of your marriage. And you were so honest about it that, and and I don't think it was too much information at all. I was so thankful that you were willing to be that transparent because I know that people will see that and be encouraged and blessed and potentially like, I feel like this, this could really be a tool to expose the lies of the enemy, because when it, when you're discontented in a marriage, I think the temptation, like Brooke, you were talking about how you felt discontented, but you were afraid to talk about it with the people around you because of this image as a pastor's wife, because you were afraid your feelings would be received poorly. Um, and it drove you to this intense isolation, which is like, you know, the, the enemy's breeding ground for lies. So, um, what advice do you have for the woman that's listening that is feeling discontented in her marriage, but afraid to open up about it with, uh, with anyone like what are, uh, yeah. I feel like for me, you know, when you keep something inside and of course you need to find some trustworthy person. I always say if you're struggling in your marriage. Don't go to somebody that's been divorced four times 
and hasn't made it, you know, go to someone trustworthy um, that you see maybe has been the long haul. Well, someone who can keep yeah, a confidence. Yeah, they can keep a confidence. You know? But, you know, when I keep something on the inside, the enemy shames me. And the enemy tells me, if you tell that, no one will let you minister to them anymore. Or people won't like you or people will think differently of you. You know, he can, he can, and then he isolates you with all of that. And, and, you know, and for me, sharing or talking about it or finding someone or, or people that were willing to love me at my worst. I had some people that were willing to love me at my worst. It was so freeing for me. And, you know, ultimately was the tool that God used to, to bring me back around. Um, because basically for me, I was, I was believing a lot. I, I came into marriage expecting a fairy tale. I was young and I watched romance movies. And when it wasn't like that, I thought, well, that must be out there and I must have done something wrong and married the wrong person. The enemy lied to me. And so I had to have people speak some hard truths to me, some people that's been through that. And, um, you know, ultimately I still wanted to leave, but through prayer and people not giving up on me, I chose to give it six months. His mom really come and basically kind of kidnapped me from work and had this lunch with me. And, and really it was from a lot of pressure, but it was because people were praying we were praying I didn't even know about and I agreed to give it six months and somewhere in that six months I got a hold of me and I really started trying and it still was a process you know so if you're there it you know don't give up you know find someone you can talk to you know this is the thing you know what helps me now to give you some hope if I would have given in to what the enemy wanted we just had Egan at the time he was two um look at what the story that God had for us that we would have missed out on like, I look back now, I'm like, what if I would have just listened to the lie of the enemy? All of this that God wanted to do wouldn't have happened. And so I can encourage you, like, you don't see, God sees down the end of the road. And so, you know, um, God will take you from faith to faith to faith to faith. And so you might be in a hard part, but when you get through it, you're going to be able to look back at all these moments and see where God's brought you through. Um, so just keep showing up. Don't quit and open up. You know, I think that's the biggest thing is find you trustworthy people and open up in the Christian community, especially, you know, I'm so tired of the shame and stigma attached to a lot of things. You know, we're all just people, you know, we're human yeah, we're people that, that are, that are screwed, flawed. Like flawed. Like, yeah. We know? have imperfections and we have, you know, wrong thinking. And, you know, the only way God uses people, of course, God can talk to us too, but a lot of times he uses people to speak to those things. And so if you don't open up, you never get that opportunity. Yeah. And, and the thing that I, well, and that thing really stood out to me that I, I sort of, you know, held on to this story of your struggle in your marriage. And then at the very end, seeing how it all happened and then watching that video um, of the audition and just, you know, like you would have missed out on so much if you had given in to those pressures. But what I also saw in the story was that you were open, Brooke, like you were having these, these doubts, you, you wanted your marriage to end because you didn't feel contented, but you were open because you did hear the Holy spirit nudging you like for that lunch meeting, you know, you gave into the pressure, but there were just certain things like, and even, um, could you actually tell the, the story about the, um, the prayer meeting. I mean, you guys weren't just thinking about divorce. You were like, it was in process and it was the night before you were going to tell Todd that the divorce papers were being delivered to him. And can you just tell that story about what happened yeah, there? There were some ladies at church and I didn't know this till after the fact, um, they decided they, um, you know, they all come together corporately and we were on this kind of what we would do, like interpret things in dance and prayer and spirit. And they come out and they 
they like wasn't going to be doing that that night. And they come out and did that specifically for me and prayed for me. And it was almost like that service was about me. I had no idea because I wasn't coming because that was, of course, Todd was still the youth pastor. And um, and I had no idea. And it was that very next day that something in, inside me, I said at the time it was pressure, but now I know it was it was God. Um, I called the lawyer's office and told him to put a hold on it. And, um, and we just kind of went, I still wasn't ready to like say, I want to stay, right? but I did that because, you know, and now I know, and later on I found out, you know, they did that for me and that's powerful, man. That's the power of prayer and community and people that love. And that's the thing I will say over and over. People loved me at my worst. I didn't deserve, I was being a horrible mom at the time, a horrible wife, being very selfish, but people saw, still believed in me and still saw something in me. And I think that's what we have to do for others. And now that's what I, I want to be that person for others where I, I choose to see something in people when they're going through hard times and I choose to believe in them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what sometimes people just need is somebody just still to believe in them, you know? And, and for me, that was just so powerful. That is. And do you think your story would be different if those women at church, instead of praying for you, had just sat around talking about you and it kind of ostracized you, like if you had felt coldness from the, the body of Christ, would, would your story possibly be different? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, Absolutely. Because so. even yeah. after I came home, I had women that bonded together and gave me books. It was a long process. House, yeah. Prayed with me, gave me like the power of the praying wife and like, did, like, you know, sit down and shared their own struggles. And um, were willing to go the extra mile with me. Even when I came home, they didn't just quit. They didn't just pray me to get me home. They continued to be that accountability for me. And they're still in my life to this day. They're still spiritual people that spiritually advise me to this day, um, even though we've moved. These are people because mm-hmm. they have been there with me through the ups and downs. Um, it's just, it, it really is, it makes a world of difference. You may not know the difference you're making in somebody's life by just showing up and being there and not giving up on them and praying for them. I mean, it's really is powerful. Yeah. Oh, I loved that story. Um, well, Todd, during that same time, as you were dealing with this separation that you didn't want, um, there were people that couldn't understand how you could keep leading worship and praising God each week after like when your marriage and your life were kind of crumbling around you. And you had a really great perspective on on why you were able to do that. Could you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Sure. I am. Um, that actually was something that it was just, you know, I don't know. I don't, I, lots of people believe a lot of different things. I just feel like God himself kind of revealed to me, even though it's sort of plain to see in the scripture that it wasn't just that it was, it, the, there are these struggles in my life and it seemed like, you know, the whole world's coming apart, you know, but then also even in times, and I don't, you know, I realize people can take things and run with it. And hopefully you'll see my heart when I say, but even in times of failure too, like times when you make the wrong decisions and take the wrong path, God just sort of revealed to me, like, if you stop worshiping because of those things, Mm -hmm. then you're not worshiping me anyway. You know, it's not about me. And so Mm -hmm. my whole philosophy of worship became And I said it almost every Sunday since then, 20 years almost, you know, my whole philosophy of worship became you don't worship God because you're worthy. You worship God because he's worthy, you know, and that's where worship comes from. And so uh, because I did see there were times even my own self, I'm like, am I 
am I a hypocrite, you know, to, to, to worship God in the middle of this, you know, but God, you know, you know how he'll do. He's just so kind and soft. And- I think it's like, it's easy to say God's good on the mountain. But it is a whole nother experience to know God in the valley and yeah. say he's good when you're in the, the deepest part. And you know, the, the thing. that it's translates even to now and in, in the chapter we're in now, you know, you do have to find, kind of find yourself in a place sometimes where you understand that some people don't understand, you know, there are people that don't understand how I can keep worshiping in the middle of that. There are people that don't understand some of the things that we're working toward now and and why we don't do some of the things we used to do. But instead of me getting angry with them or frustrated with them, one thing I do is I try to stay out of the comments, you know, (laughs) but, but, uh, but another thing is I just try my best to understand that they may, they don't get it, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and, they're responding in their own way, you know, and, but that's, and it's, it can be frustrating sometimes. Another cool, little, another cool little, like, side note that I loved, when I came home, Todd had put all over the entire house, and he had done this while I was gone, but it was so cool to even have when I came home. He had put, like, scripture, he had printed it out and taped it up, like, above the kitchen sink, like, in our bathroom mirror, where I put my makeup on, other places where he, where he would be at, Going it would all these scripture promises of God to him, you know, and that were pertinent to our season that we were going through that tough season. And yeah, it was just, it was just reminders every day when you're, you know, if I was having a tough moment, I would look up and see that scripture. And the fact that not only is that scripture there, God's word reminded me that my husband put that there, believing in faith that we were going to come out of this. And so to me, that was just, that's an act of worship in itself right there. He just, he really did out, he really did out doing so. <laughs> that tough season. I don't, I feel like he didn't like he had an option though. Uh, he felt like he was losing his family. I mean, know, you know, so. you, you know, there's a lot of, even in my own mind, uh, so it's not other people, there's probably a lot of sentiment that would say, man, I wish you would have fought like that before. But, you know, I didn't. I didn't fight like that before. But I did when it happened. And thank God he's gracious, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I just, I love this idea that if you're not worshiping God during the hard times or when you're not on the mountaintop, or even when you're not living in full obedience, which, you know, that happens too, if that, if you're not still worshiping him, that the worship isn't about him. And that is so important because I think we think of worship sometimes as a feeling or we, we pursue worship for what we can get out of it for the high that we can get or this Uh, feeling of connection or this euphoria or something or even the experience well and and there's this notion out there and i understand this notion i do let me put that out there before i get in trouble but like there's this notion out there that when we come to worship we've got to present this this sacrifice without spot or blemish and i get where they get that but y'all jesus is our sacrifice without spot or blemish that's why he died you know he is the sacrifice so when we go in and worship even if we're struggling we don't present our own worth we don't come i used to say we don't come into worship with a wagon full of trophies you know Mm -hmm. what what we do is we just offer up the blood of jesus and the sacrifice Mm -hmm. of jesus you know i think that i love like how paul talks about i'm gonna boast in my weakness yeah that is like the biggest thing and i think that even in this book like not, you know, we're, we're going to, we're going to boast in our weaknesses because what you do see, the good you do sees of God, it's not of us. And so I think when people boast in their strengths, oh, no, we can do it. yeah, <laughs> it, 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 none of us can, but that's the problem. We boast in our strengths or try to, 
it is fake and it, and it doesn't connect with people. It's not authentic because we all struggle. So I think that's what Paul was trying to say. You know, that's why we boast in our weaknesses. We're all flawed and that connects with people. And then what good is shown in our life? Everybody knows it's, it's God. It's not us, uh-huh. you know? And, and so for me, that's just, you know, I hope that's another thing with our book that, you know, we show people our weaknesses and we boast in that because what good has come out of our life is because of the grace of God. Yeah. It's because of God, not of anything that we've done. Well, I think you achieved that goal really well, because I think anyone, you know, I'm sure people are going to pick up this book who don't know Jesus just because they liked your music on the voice or they follow you now. And, you know, I think that this is going to really just be a great testimony of what you see that you love, what, whatever it was that drew you to me during this time or to our family was, was because of God. And you just really, absolutely. Yeah. So what was it, Todd, what was it that people said drew them to you? Cause you went in kind of feeling like the underdog, even when you got in, you sort of felt like, well, I'm kind of on the older side of the contestants and I have never been a professional musician. Like what was it that, that made you so popular according to the feedback that you got from people? You know, I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, uh, I just, you know, I would. I think he was authentic. I mean, I just like we were relatable. I I like people, and you know, I liked being able. And actually, a lot of them probably don't know it was as far as me. It was whatever was happening there was helping me at least as much as it may have been helping someone else. Uh, mm-hmm. Because I had an opportunity to lay aside all of the requirements. And just like love people, man, and enjoy them and enjoy their company. And I did end up a few times being like the dad, you know, out yeah. sitting out by the pool or something. And someone would, uh, before you know it, you're in like full on dad mode with someone. Like, <laughs> he's not going to say this because of the like, kind of person he is, but I think because of the kind of person he is, and he's not going to say when you ask, what do you think? Yeah, I, I should have probably asked you that, Brooke. Uh, yeah, I I think, brag about yourself. <laughs> I think that it's the humility. I think he really comes from a place of, of humility and I know he can't you know I know that's something other people see if you think you're humble you're not and I'll yeah, go ahead and say if you think you're humble then you're not <laughs> I want to be more humble I don't feel like that's one of my like top qualities um but that is something that he cares he does put himself second and he does strive to make others you know and uh, also and so man, it I was think just, that was something that people immediately picked up that uh, authenticity of that I did choose now something that I did choose while I was there that I don't know. I don't know if it helped me with the show or with the other contestants or with all of it, but now I did, I did like deliberately choose like a path of um, really visible and vocal gratitude. Mm -hmm. uh, Just that I was even there, you know? And so I was very, like, very, very grateful for the time that people spent with me working on songs and vocal things and musical things. And so, and I, I, I always did try to make a point. It wasn't like it just flowed out of the inner parts of my spirit. I, I did try to make a point to say, thank you. You know, I really appreciate that you took this time to help me with this or, you know, whatever. And I think too, like, I know for me, like I played like in the beginning when he first went on, I didn't want him to do Christian songs. I know everybody like, because I felt like that would box him in where, you know, some people would just tune out because, okay, you know, but by the end, 
I really want him. And that was kind of God moved in that ring. Oh, yeah, yeah. That wasn't his original song that he even got at the end. But God really moved on the behalf. And I really had changed my mind by the end. Because what happened was people got to see this guy and the joy. And that was the thing Blake would say. He's just always jumping about like the joy. And I, and, I, and I people got to see that. And they got to know Todd. And then it was like, I wanted them to see where that joy came from. Where that holy hop or where that bounce, where that came from. And so I, it was like full circle to come back and kind of show people um, which was cool to me on the same stage, the church stage. So God is so cool how he does that. So I think that was, it was decorated a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and that, that just bouncy joy, you know, and then I think people at the end got to see kind of where that came from. That was so great. And, you know, uh, when you talk about, his, uh, about, Todd's joy and just kind of, and and Todd, when you talk about how much you love people, you said something in the book, and I think it was at the point after you won, when you had basically decided you're not pastoring full-time anymore, you're moving on, and you'd already felt God calling you away even before the voice from being a full-time pastor. But you said, I feel like I'm pastoring in this role now, like, it's like, God has called you to be a pastor. And I loved the way, I don't know if you said it directly, but you, you at least indirectly said, God called me to be a pastor. And, and I was a pastor in a church for a season, but I'm still, he still called me to be a pastor. He still gifted you to be a pastor of people in the role that you're in now. We we talk about it all the time. We stay pastor of people. Like oh. God just God winds your horizon. He puts people he puts in, in their lives. Yeah, and, and honestly, like I say all the time, the voice was just the vehicle God used to kind of open the area that we can minister to. And so, you know, we, we told the people at our church, which I love phenomenally, um, that we were not leaving Cornerstone, we were taking Cornerstone with us into the yeah. world. And that was just it had to be a switch because I, I tell people a lot of these podcasts when Todd first told me which was way before the voice that he was feeling that shift I told him at first no that was gonna be sin like why would God ever tell us to quit pastor that has to be sin but God had to shift my mindset where you know traditional pulpit ministry there is from just church singular church minded to kingdom minded there yeah. where the church as a whole there's a people a world as a whole out there that needs us to be the church and so it doesn't have to be behind that tr- traditional pulpit. And in ways in our life, if that began to hinder you being able to minister. Fully. Yeah, I just want to say there's there's this whole and I get it again. Let me just say I do get it. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I do fully understand where people are coming from. There's this whole like sellout mentality, you know. But man, the real truth is, honestly, y'all, I felt like way more of a sellout when I was pastor in the church uh, there at the end. I felt like way more of a person who's just doing what he's got to do to get what he needs, you know. And and I I just felt that when I was a traditional church pastor, not all the whole time, the end, right there at the God end, I felt I felt like more of a sellout as a pastor than I do now. Like now, honestly, I feel like. Now, I mean, I still, I hate to say I'm free, completely free of it. I'm being freed of it, you know, by, day by day. But like, uh, now I just feel free to sort of love these people like I feel like God wants me to love them and also be who I feel like God created me to be without, there, there are just less of the like, you know, this is what I'll say about it. 
a lot of people reminded me through the years that pastors are judged with a harsher judgment, but are ministers. But I always, every time I read that, the only thing that the Lord reveals to my heart is like, Todd, I love everybody the same. So if you're going to be judged with a harsher judgment, it's by people, you know? And so uh, I, I do feel like I'm being freed, freed from that because they, you don't get to say, well, a pastor wouldn't do that. Well, you know what? Then don't, don't worry. <laughs> Yeah, well, so when when you're talking about this whole process of of shifting, like, well, you were you were talking about this um, how the stage that you performed the last song on was the stage that you pastored from and led worship from. Yeah. Um, can you talk about how that even happened? It had to do with COVID, right? And and it had yeah. to do. So, what were you guys thinking as as COVID hit, and and it was looking like, like you didn't even know if the season would finish right. out. Right. And so I'm sure there's this idea of, well, wow, God, you brought us this far. And then, then we might not even have a contest. How did that look? And, and how did you guys, how are you guys thinking about that? I, I didn't handle it well at first. Um, I'm a little, like I said, I'm a little more dramatic one. I, I, I kind of being God have to hash it out with each other. Cause you know, this, the very beginning of this process, the Lord, I felt like promised me um, that the bad thing wasn't going to happen. This was going to be good. Um, because so many times in our life, we were really struggling at that time with there's always the other shoes going to drop. Even if something seemed good, there would be something. We couldn't just enjoy it. And so I felt like God had promised me that. He specifically had promised me that really specifically. And so I thought, well, here we go. This is COVID, God. And I, I remember out under the carport, because that's where I would go and pray. And I was like, God, you promised me. Like, I, you promised me. And God is like, Brooke, if you don't shift your perspective to what I want to do through this, mm-hmm. instead of what you and Todd can get out of this, you can win the whole show and you're going to be disappointed. And that's when I started to shift. Okay, God, because I didn't want Todd to be robbed. I felt like, it, you know, what, no matter what they did, I was like, he's going to be robbed of full experience. Like it was just so many different things that even if it went on, but once God, God will always shift my perspective. And once he did, we kind of, I kind of went all in believing and it turned out to be amazing. I, we'd say all the time, we don't know if we would have won. If it I don't think I would have. And I don't mean that like in a derogatory, I feel like people saw me and my element and it made me like them. And that's, that's why I think I, I won. That's legitimately why I feel like I won the show. Cause it was, he we, was more positive. About we it. were, uh, you know, the, the real, honestly, that's just who he is, at the, at the very beginning, like the, the start start of the whole COVID thing, we were just hanging on, praying that the curve would flatten there. <laughs> I remember we were just hoping it would flatten. Yeah, and fly and out move to on, move on, and do what we we're going to do. That you know? wasn't gonna happen. Uh, well, but then, then as time went on, we did get a little more concerned that maybe they would cancel our season or postpone it, or we didn't really know, you know, what what they would do, and when they told us their decision. Um, it was disappointing in the moment, but God does always have this way of showing you like, Todd, you know, this doesn't happen to anyone. Like people don't get to be in on this platform and, and people don't get to do this. And you do. And you're here. You are in a place because everybody always defends me when some media outlet says I'm the most unlikely, but I am. And that's all right. I am the most unlikely, you know? And so, you know, I kind of really did try. And sometimes I want to say it, sometimes it was just kind of natural. Sometimes it was more deliberate and sometimes I failed completely at it, you know, but I did try to say, you know, this is, 
this doesn't happen to people. So even though it's different and also, you know, I said, I told her when the first thing I told her when we went remote uh, is I said, this is, this is the thing like this. We've said, I've said from my blind audition, this is my shot. Like this, I know something's got to change. This is my time to change. And so I'm like, maybe more people will pay attention to the show because it's so different, you know? Um, Just putting a positive. Yeah. And our word, my word for the year was gratitude. And God reminded me of that when I got to complaining. Yeah. to, to gratitude, be thankful. Like, and it was a lot. It was yeah. a lot to do. It, uh, it was a it, lot. It of was work. a lot to do. Everything they do was put on like us and our kids. Yeah, they talked us through it. Yes, but, but it was a lot. Yeah, and so, but you know, but it was it was a great experience. Our kids a, got to help. Here's the thing: at the end of the day, they just wrapped up season twenty of The Voice last month. You know, and so at the end of the day, I in America, I am one of only twenty people. And so I don't have, I can't complain about yeah. that. You know, no, I can't possibly. So, yeah. so the disappointment was when they decided to do a remote mm-hmm. contest. Is that right? Yeah, we were, we were hoping. I mean, when I say we, me and some of the, that they would maybe just come up with something, you know, right. I, I also distanced or whatever. Yeah. And, and at the time, we still had no idea it was going to be what it was like that. It was going to go for a year over a year, you know, Uh, and that here we are June, 2021 and some places are just now kind of opening up, you know, and uh, we didn't have any idea it was going to be like that. I think everybody, it's just natural. They want to be experienced. Yeah. But y'all got y'all's only need. It's easy to pay attention to what you lost. What you're missing. And yeah, it's so easy. You that. If you're not careful, you'll focus on what didn't happen but we instead of what thought. did happen, yeah. you know, because another thing that happened is they would now let me just say they would have done it anyway. But the just the manner in which our community rallied behind oh, me, wow, yeah. because I was there, I was there on that hill at the church yeah. right up the street, you know. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was. And I think, too, people told us like and it, and it was kind of like that for us, too. Like it was something to look forward to every Monday that our town and people just got behind because of that season oh, yeah. when it was, everybody was isolated. Everybody really locked down for everybody. And it was something like yeah, it was full on distraction yeah. and joy and music moves people. And I think it was just yes. something people like to look forward to. They were like, what are we going to do? Remember, and now? finale after finale, so many people told me, and I still, I can't really wrap my mind around this, but so many people told me from our town that like they're watching the finale and when they when Carson Daly says who the winner is, they they literally hear their entire neighborhood erupt. Yeah, you know, they, they can, I bet that was amazing. Yes. That's so sweet to and me. And so people know? can knock on Mississippi all they want. Yeah, let them. It let them talk. A let lot them of talk. Things. Mississippi gets behind its people. Yeah, they do. They man. really do. And so that you know you can't. That's that's just a, a story that it doesn't matter if you won every other season of The Voice. That's a story only I get. You know, and so I, I'm not going to complain about it. Yeah, that's amazing, and I think it just paints this picture that we need to remember of like God's God's story. So many times looks different from what we would think, but just the the richness. I just think of reading the book and getting to that point in the book where you're you're setting the scene for how this is happening and your son is designing the set on the stage and your whole family is involved. And, you know, it's a lot of work for everybody, but it's like, everyone is behind you and and pitching in. Um, And 
I just feel like, you know, and you say this in the book too, that COVID was a time where people were looking, they were afraid, they were uncertain, and they were looking for something. They were looking for something. And you represented hope. You represented faith. You represented positivity. You represented maybe answers for like, well, well, what do I do if I, you know, who, who is God, you know, and well, maybe, maybe Todd can (laughs) shed some light on that, you know, and I, it just seems like, like that would never, that void would not have been there had COVID not hit, which provided a way for you to minister, even though you're not sitting there preaching, but I know you had social media interactions. You had people, you know, contacting you behind the scenes. I got, listen, uh, even, even, even things they didn't air on TV, you know, I imagine and there's the, the church world. I know how we are. I'm part of it, you know? And so we have our own ideas and maybe we're right. I don't know. So I don't know why they didn't, but there's a lot of things they didn't even air. But I, I, as far as my faith goes, as long as I can come from this perspective where people understand that if you watch me, I promise you, I'm going to disappoint you. You know, I promise, you know, uh, but um, but I did still even even from that perspective, I actually got to share my faith with coaches and things and with my with Blake Shelton. I got to talk about my faith a lot, you know. Wow. Uh, they didn't air a lot of that, but I, it's fine. It, it serves whatever purpose it was supposed to serve. You throw the seed out. That's all you can do. God brings the increase, you know. And so, I mean, I just you got to do those things, you know. And so, I, man, I you know, who knows what would have happened if we would have gone back to California, but we didn't. Uh, and I so, love to hear uh, a John Legend call you Pastor Todd. Oh yeah, he called me Pastor Todd. <laughs> I love it. Whole time, yeah. That is awesome. Well, I would love to just sit here and talk with you guys. You've been so much fun to talk with, and I'm running out of time. I know you've got some things going on after this, but um, how can listeners connect with you online or on social media? And where can they find your book and your music? Okay. That's a lot of questions. I'm sorry. Oh, it's all right. So as I don't know when this podcast will air, but as of June the 22nd, which is today for us recording it, (laughs) as of June the 22nd, the book, you can find it anywhere they sell books, or you can go to everylittlewinbook.com, and then it shows you a bunch of of outlets you can order it online. Um, And then uh, music and socials, everything, Spotify, Amazon, Apple Music, all music things I didn't even know existed. Deezer or something like that. I don't know. I'm Todd Tillman. I'm Todd Tillman on those things. I'm also Todd Tillman on uh, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you know, so people, and my name is spelled weird, but I always like to say right now, thankfully, even if you misspell it, I think you'll find me, you know, yeah, they, got it. they got you covered. Yeah, yeah. And, I'm only on Instagram and Facebook, um, but I am the more share more. Yeah. Like he's going to share a lot about. She's way music. more interactive on social uh, media than so I am. I Mine's to, a lot more professional. I, think. <laughs> I, love, I love to follow people and follow on their stories and I'm the overshare. So if you want to know about our personal private life, come follow me on <laughs> like Instagram, all the embarrassing bits. Um, Facebook, and it's Brooke Tillman and it is Phil Beard. But, yeah, Brooke Tillman right. above. Yeah. So. Oh, that's T-I-L-G-H-M-A-N, right? right yeah. Did I get it? Yeah, yes, that's right. The I don't GH know. Is just don't yeah, know. the G. It's just like saying night or light or fright. The G H right. is silent. Oh, but, you know, I, you know, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> well, how can we pray for you today? I'm going to close this up in prayer. Oh man, we got yeah. uh, we have a lot of irons in the fire. I actually just had yeah. a really important meeting today. Uh, okay. 
So just pray for uh, whatever steps God has next for us and that we would we would be brave enough and wise enough to take yeah, them. You know? That's good. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here, you guys. This was great. And we will uh, just look forward to seeing what God has for your family and, and for your music, Todd. And yeah, I'm excited. Well, thank you so thank much. You. We enjoyed it. I love all things prayer. <laughs> All right. Well, let's pray. God, thank you so much for this time to talk with Todd and Brooke. Um, Thank you for their story. Thank you, God, for just giving them uh, the nudge to share this story, to share so much of their lives um, about just how you are interwoven into every part of, of their story, the, the highs and the lows and, and just their commitment to gratitude, to looking for the wins in every situation. Father, we just pray for ourselves that we would all just have the gratitude, um, to look at where you're at work, to see those areas where you are, um, just doing amazing things in our lives, no matter how small so that you will get the glory for it in our lives. We lift up Todd and Brooke. We just pray that your hand would be on their family, God, that you would just rain down blessing on their home, on their marriage. God, we pray your protection on their marriage. We pray that you would set it apart, that you would uh, grow it, that you would just continue to help them. Um, even though I'm sure schedules with all of the irons that are in the fire are, are taking them in different directions at times, God, draw them closer than they've ever been. Draw them closer to you individually and to each other. We pray for their children and for their home. And Lord, we just pray for whatever you have next. We just uh, pray with open hands that you would just open up your plans, that you would just uh, knock down any barriers between uh, between the Tillmans and, and what you have for them, God, that, that you would just allow the path to be straight for the, the um, appointed ministries that you have for them, Lord, even if they're, they're, they're not uh, ministries in the common sense, but the ministries, the assignments, the purposes that you've designed them for, and that you've prepared them for up to this point. And we just pray that nothing would keep them from those, those uh, missions that you have for them, God, and the purpose that you have, that you have planned for them. Um, Lord, we just pray that everyone listening would, uh, would just take away from this conversation or take away from their book, the things that, that you have for them. Um, and, and that you would just use this book to go out and bless people that people would be saved as a result of reading this book, that people would be marriages would be restored, um, or resurrected even after they've ended because of this book, God, and that people would draw closer to you and just learn to trust you in a way that they never knew possible because of the words in this book, God, in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Praying Christian Women podcast. We'd love to hear from you. So please leave us a comment to let us know what questions or topics we can address in future shows. Then hop over to prayingchristianwomen.com slash journal to download your free prayer guide. We're so glad you joined us for today's show. And we wish you God's deepest blessings as you draw closer to him and change the world one prayer at a time.